Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What have we or haven't we learned from history? Well, I think we haven't learned from history really how to combat conspiracies. You know, the hallmark of a truly great conspiracy is that a lack of evidence is evidence. And now that there's the rise of AI and misinformation can so much more easily spread, I'm not sure what the future really holds for us. My name is Steve Adams, and I am the co-director of Satan Wants You. And my name is Sean Horler, and I am also a co-director of Satan Wants You. You gave me a moment there, I have to say. I was like, who am I? Oh, my God. It's going to be <laughs> existential. Yes, that is the voice of the filmmakers behind the new documentary, Satan Wants You, which has become a big hit on the film festival circuits. And, of course, as always, you've tuned into another episode of CH101 where we school you in interesting things. Yes, for this episode, we have rebranded to CH101 because we are not dealing with comedy. We are dealing with the satanic panic. And most particularly, the topic of the documentary, Satan Wants You, which is this book that was released in 1980 called Michelle Remembers. Who are these people? Well, they're a secret organization. They're a secret society. When that book came out, I mean, all hell broke loose. It was a theory that there's a satanic conspiracy and there are children who are kidnapped, stolen, and sacrificed. It's known as the satanic panic. Satan Wants You is a featured documentary about the shocking story of how a young woman and her psychiatrist helped to ignite the global satanic panic with their best-selling memoir, Michelle Remembers. And, spoiler alert, the book, Michelle Remembers, which could be said to have kick-started the satanic panic, was later revealed to be a complete hoax. I originally interviewed Sean and Steve for an episode of the podcast, 99% Invisible, which I co-wrote and produced, which was focused on the satanic panic most particularly how police officers were trained into becoming satanic experts during the satanic panic and the sad truth behind that. Innocent people went to prison for crimes they didn't commit. And I will link to that episode of 99% Invisible in the show notes, so you can check that out. But unfortunately, my interview with Sean and Steve didn't make the final cut of my episode of 99% Invisible, but I love their documentary. I thought it very intriguing, and I also enjoyed the conversation we had, so I thought I'd bring it back in this rebranded episode of CH101, where we school you in interesting things. But before we jump into the episode, a few plugs, actually more than a few plugs, a few plugs on Friday, October 13th, 7 p.m. at the Red Room above the KGB bar in the Lower East Side. I'll be producing my show, Tale, NYC's finest storytelling. 
Moving ahead on October 15th at Young Ethel's in Park Slope, Brooklyn at 4 p.m. I'll be producing my show, Jokey Stand-Up Comedy Karaoke. So come on out for that. Moving ahead on October 18th at QED in Astoria, I'll be doing my solo show, Harmon Leon in The Joke Saved My Soul. 9 p.m. at QED, the show that was a hit at the Edinburgh Festival. And on the following day, October 19th, 7 p.m., also at Young Ethel's, I'll be producing my show, That 80s Improv Challenge. So you can find all these dates on HarmanLeon.com or on Instagram and Twitter, at HarmanLeon. Also, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment on CH101, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will read your comments right here on the air. And now, without further ado... Sorry about that. They're doing construction in my neighborhood, so my internet goes out. <laughs> it's just right when you're about to do your interview. <laughs> always, always, right? Never fails. <laughs> I guess just to jump right in, what originally brought you to the story of Michelle Remembers? You know, I grew up in Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. So this is where the book was written. This is where uh, Michelle Smith and her psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Larry Pazder, lived They wrote the book there. They came back to Victoria after their huge international book tour, and the book made millions of dollars. And when I was growing up, they were like everywhere. They're on the TV, on the radio, in the newspapers. This story is like a huge part of my childhood. And how did it affect you as a child? You know, I mean, Victoria is, is, uh, I don't know if you've been to Victoria, but it's not that kind of city. I got to tell you, it's a little small Canadian town on the tip of an island in the North Pacific. But, you know, back then, the Michelle and Larry claimed that it was the satanic capital of the world, one of two, uh, with Geneva, Switzerland. And for me growing up as a kid, it's this constant, you know, you're afraid of people wearing black clothes. There's satanic graffiti everywhere, rumors that children were going to be stolen from the hospital, from the maternity ward. And this went on and on and on and on for years and years and years during the satanic panic. The obvious question growing up, did any of that occur? Depends who you ask, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the one thing, so I mean, the graffiti and graveyard vandalism, you know, that's just teenagers. That happens in a lot of cities everywhere. There was actually, you know, at the height of the satanic panic in 1991, in Victoria, there was a real child abduction. And, you know, what people said at the time that it was proof that Michelle's claims and Michelle remembers was true and that the kid was stolen by a satanic cult or that the parents were satanic cult members and uh, it was never solved. And this is like, I always think back to that and, you know, a lot of this is, it's easy to laugh at, but at least in my city, that was the one case where it's like that, that was a real family that people said this about their neighbors, people in the community whispering. This happened, of course, all across North America too, right? When people went to prison, millions, millions and millions of dollars were wasted prosecuting people for crimes they never committed. And before Michelle Remembers came into the sort of lexicon, were any of these type of crimes being reported? 
What would you say? I mean, there was, I, I think that there was a, in society as a whole, in pop culture, there was a, a lot of different things that were happening. There was a lot of religious horror that was happening. There, there was a, a, a bigger emphasis on women getting out into the workplace. And so these daycares were were existing. And I think it was just kind of setting people a little sideways and they weren't sure what was happening and they weren't sure how to to really approach all of this. There was different things that were being reported like cattle mutilations. There was cult activity that was happening. So there was a lot of like events that were leading up. And then Michelle uh, remembers kind of hit at the, the right time at the right place. And it kind of just exploded. I mean, I know it's stated in your documentary, but did Michelle remembers kind of kick off the satanic panic. And how did it kick off the satanic panic? That would be the second part of that question. Depends on, again, who you ask. But you know what? To to blame it on the one book, what people describe Michelle remembers as, and Michelle Smith herself, is the patient zero. So it's not to say that these rumors didn't exist before, but this is the first documented case that took all of these like satanic rumors, all the cultural events that Steve just talked about, tied it all together in one book and put it out in the public Huge bestseller, millions of people read it, translated into languages and, and published in countries around the world. And that's why it's sort of, you, you look at that as sort of definitely the ground zero. Because after that, never before had there been this recovered memory. So psychiatrists pulling out these memories of satanic, horrific satanic abuse from an adult, generally adult women. So like baby sacrifice, murdering cats. She, you know, was actually married to Satan in a ceremony and her mother gave her away and all these sort of things did not exist before that. And then after that, there are copycat cases and this happened like hundreds, thousands of cases just exploded everywhere around the world in the decade that followed. How was law enforcement using this book in either arrest or in the numerous court cases? What happened with law enforcement was the, the book, first of all, was had credibility behind it because it was supported by the Catholic Church. At the beginning of the book, you have something from a bishop in Victoria who kind of endorses and says that this happened. There's something from the Vatican that says like, hey, the, we, we believe that this is going on. And then it begins to find its way into the hands of police officers who are also Catholics. And they begin to use this as a manual. They go through it. They, they look for the specific elements within the book that they can then go out to the community and begin to look at people and say, hey, this is happening over here. They develop big checklists about what to look for with kids to determine whether or not they're being satanic ritually abused. This book also then and these guides are then passed on to social workers who begin to use this to look within daycare centers and look within other homes to, to see if there's Satanists. So it has this whole thing where it's just like this built level of credibility that starts with the church, goes to cops who believe in Christ, cops for Christ is what they call them. And then that makes its way into social workers' hands. So so it was sort of like, because the endorsement by the Catholic Church, it was a means for officers with religious backgrounds to kind of point to something as this endorsed manual where maybe their religion overtook their kind of law enforcement training at all? Or is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, there's this, uh, one of the subjects that we have in this film is a FBI special agent. His name is Ken Lanning. His uh, area, he was a special agent for uh, occult, uh, witchcraft, Satanism, all of those sort of groupings uh, when he was an agent. 
he says, you know, like his big thing talking to him is that people want or need to believe what they want or need to believe essentially, right? Like you, if you, if you believe it, you're going to see what you believe because that's just how we work as humans. And for, so it's like a, basically like the psychological term is confirmation bias, right? So for all these religious police officers who already believe in Satan, believe in Jesus and Mary and the whole package, of course, you know, then you have the church actually saying this is real and go out and investigate it. And off they went. You didn't really touch on this, but how do you think that kind of went under the radar in police training? <laughs> and, 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 you know, just to go, all right, here's our checklist, mostly from this book that will later be debunked. Well, like, what would you say, Sean? I mean, like the, the guides, what was the, the magazine that was created? Like there, there was all these like Passport magazine where they, you know, the cover that we found and couldn't, didn't have time to put in the film is just a group of like regular people in your community flashing the devil horns on the front page. And then you open it and it's just like page after page of symbols, like any symbol that you could ever think of from runes to hieroglyphics to like everything is a sign of Satanism. You eat ketchup, you're a Satanist. You're afraid of this, you're a Satanist. Like it's, it, it was just sort of one of those like choose your own adventure where everything leads to whoever you're investigating is clearly sacrificing babies and drinking their blood. Clearly. You know, in like court cases like the McMartin trial and and then there, you know, other ones like the Kellers and West Memphis three, did they use Michelle remembers like actually in the courtroom or was that limited to just like investigations? From what we understand, it was widely available in the community. It was being used by social workers, but it wasn't ever brought in as like a, a, a manual or evidence within a trial to, to help convict people. But it was certainly used by the investigators and the, the people behind the scenes. We have Michelle and Larry were actually down in Manhattan Beach interviewing the kids and like helping the investigators try to figure out what happened to the children. So, so they were very much involved with the case, but the book was never used like within a courtroom. And, and once again, what was the, the span of time where I, I believe, so it came out in 1980, what was their reign? Did they just live out the reign of, say, the satanic panic era? Or when did the kind of wheels come off the Michelle Remembers carriage, so to speak? Again, just saying this is not true. It's a hoax. Some would define hoax or did she really believe this and was enabled or 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 whatnot? What was what was that span of time? Well, it's, you know, it was published in October 1980. And I mean, we did an incredible amount of research, archival research, and you can find some newspaper articles even right after it's published, some really skeptical journalists being like, none of this is true. However, this is like a much different era than today, right? So like a small newspaper in, you know, like a town in northern Canada saying that this isn't true, no one's going to see that in the same way that you would on the internet if you wanted to actually debunk something today and send it to millions and millions of people. So it, this was quite the process, right? And like Michelle and Larry, they participated. The last sort of interview we could find of them both together was either, I think it was 1991 or 1992. And she was saying the same things 12 years later that, you know, th this exists in your communities. There's hundreds of these people. Uh, this can, like the, that interview was particularly disturbing because she pointed the finger at daycare operators as you know potential satanists and for them larry too he consulted on over a thousand 
cases. We found a newspaper article that had quoted him saying that he participated in a, th a thousand satanic ritual abuse cases in Canada and the U.S. And he was the guy to say, this is a case. So this like, and, and for them, it's like, sure, we had, we sort of show the different teams of investigators who spent, you know, a decade uh, debunking their book, but they never really faced any consequences. So like, you know, like people in Victoria, my hometown, yeah, we all knew, right? And then we all knew that it was a crock of, I can't, don't know if I can swear a crock of shit, but for them, they just kept living their lives. He was a psychiatrist uh, up until he died and she still lives in Victoria. And it's, I mean, what do you, what do you do? Did they commit something illegal? Were they, did they commit a crime? I well, I mean, in, in your film, it's, wouldn't the crime be defamation of character? <laughs> I mean, and, you know, not just for the mom involved, but for the sisters, because they also have to live with the fact that publicly their mother has been accused of this. So that was my question is like, why was there no defamation of character lawsuit? And especially if she's still around. And I mean, I'm not asking questions here. It's just, just these are really like questions that came up when I watched. Is she just like living a quiet life in Victoria off her Michelle Remembers money? Because that book did sell some copies. The book did really well. Um, it sold, I, I think they did like $300,000 in advances between the hardcover and the soft cover. He was still a practicing psychiatrist in Victoria, so he was still making money. And in Canada, of course, it's government funded healthcare. So he's actually just getting taxpayer dollars paid to him while doing all of this crazy satanic ritual abuse stuff. And they were able to buy property, they were able to like accumulate like a, a healthy amount of money and truly didn't face any consequences. And now she lives in Victoria. Uh, and from what we know, lives a, a pretty fine life. Like in your film, it's debunked so easy. They just looked at her yearbooks. So why do you think it took so long? Because the disturbing part is it, the law enforcement aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, this this too is like, I, I think it's the 80s, right? Like you had all these different, it wasn't just the Catholic Church either. You had like the, like we talked about the police officers, the social workers, mental health professionals, all these people saying that this was real. And then, yes, there are like, you know, those of us who would just hear this from the beginning and be like, no, this can't like, please, like the Virgin Mary is appearing to you in a fire. She speaks French and not English for some bizarre reason. This is all stuff from the book. Right. And yeah, I, the fact that for me, the fact that actual investigative journalists and police officers had to spend time debunking this is crazy. But they had to because people really believed in this. Right. And this impacted millions and millions of people. And what do you think they were after? One of the avenues you sort of took in your film was uh, he kind of wanted to be like the next Sybil author or have that patient with that notoriety. Was it like fame he was after or? I think he was after fame, but I think he was also, I think he really believed what he was doing. I, I thought, I think that he was, he thought that he was pioneering a, a new form of medicine. Um, he was making new waves in psychology and psychiatry. And he also saw that other people were becoming really famous from it. And he had a, an eye on the prize and realized that he had a patient who was willing to participate with him and he went for it. And just a couple of last questions here. You had a clip in your your film 
on on the video law enforcement's guide to satanic cults what is your take on that film <laughs> Harmon, here's a quick question for you yeah. and I hope I hope you can edit this. It may sound sure. like I'm I'm murdering kids in the background. My sister has a a, pu- a new puppy that she just got Oh right. Me. No, no, it did no murder kid sound, but yeah. <laughs> no, okay. Then I can talk freely. I keep muting yeah, myself yeah, cuz yeah. I'm like, man, I sound like a satanist right now. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that video, I mean, his name's Jim Coulter, right? Steve? Yeah, like the even this I don't know, watching that as such a experience and the clips that we've included in our film, like when that first shot comes up of Jim Coulter and the, the lower third says cop pastor, like the reaction in a theater full of people is insane. Like everyone just laughs, laughs their asses off because it's just this like the mustache man with the bald head and the weird 80s, like 90s sweater. It's Weird, like I, I guess this is the dis- the benefit of time and distance. Like it is funny now, but the fact that people would have used this video, which goes through and sort of you know like instructs what kind of symbols to look for in the forest if you think there's been Satanists in your community practicing stuff out by the graveyard, like it's and the and like the, the girl in the bikini with the that he's touching and with all the symbols over it. It's just I don't know. It's mind blowing to me that anyone could have taken this seriously, but they did. What I found out is that was used. It was used in police training in the capacity of it was so new at the time. It was such a new phenomenon to be like the Satan expert of your police department where they elevated people to expert easily of that. And they would have a seminar and then they maybe put on a videotape because there's only so much they might know of being a Satan expert and then show that video clip. And again, I guess this ties into Michelle remembers. This is a softball question. What is the danger of that? What is the danger of, sorry, of what? Of that amount of misinformation put into the hands of police training and, and, and making it not under the radar or, or, or going under the radar. Michelle remembers uses police training, law enforcement's guide to satanic cults uses police training. There was not a check and balance of that kind of thing. And people went to prison. Yeah. I, I think that if like people were able to, to make stuff freely, they, they weren't able like the, these guides weren't being checked by other people. They weren't being closely monitored. They were able to create little courses where police officers could attend and then they would get their little certificate that tells them that they are now specialists in the occult and satanic crimes it was a, a time of misinformation. And when misinformation spreads like that, people are accused of things that they didn't do. And the consequences are that people's lives are ruined. And when people are accused of being a child abuser, a lot of the time that doesn't leave them. Kelly Michaels, who we feature in the film, uh, was accused of really, really horrendous stuff, a lot of child abuse. And she went to prison for five years. And afterwards, Debbie Nathan, who is an investigative reporter in the film, uh, has kept in touch with her and she said her life just never really returned um it, she's always been affected by it and she hasn't lived a, a happy life and this is all on rumors and hearsay and stuff that absolutely isn't true what have we or haven't we learned from history well, I think we haven't learned from history really how to combat conspiracies. Like even when you were talking about the law enforcement guide uh, to Satanism and Michelle remembers, you know, the hallmark of a truly great conspiracy is that 
a lack of evidence is evidence. So it doesn't even really matter if anything that that person, the police officer said in that video was true or not. If you couldn't prove it, that's evidence, right? That this does actually exist. And this is like, you see this today still with uh, Pizzagate, like Steve and I started working on this film in 2018, right after, you know, apparently there's this whole secret gang of Satanists in the basement of a pizzeria in Washington, D.C., murdering babies and children and drinking their blood. I mean, and then suddenly now it's QAnon and it's like politicians and Hillary Clinton and all these other folks who are doing the same thing uh, onwards and onwards up till like we couldn't include this in the movie because uh, we wrapped uh, editing. But you're seeing this still with what's happening with the transgender community and drag queens in the United States and Canada that they are grooming children and stealing children and it's the same thing over and over and over again used to demonize people who are other, like who are different than the mainstream. And, you know, this is a sad part of being human. And do you think something like QAnon is more dangerous than the satanic panic? Are we, are we moving to an even more dangerous terrain? Honestly, I don't know if we are. I, I, I think that what we just all need to recognize is that it's a it's cyclical what we saw through the research was that every 40 years it kind of ebbs and flows and it, it comes to a peak and then it kind of goes away i'm not sure if it gets more dangerous each time it comes out i mean I, i'd like to say that humans are getting smarter as time goes on and i mean we we used to be a lot more archaic <laughs> decades ago but you just don't know and now that there's the, the rise of ai and misinformation can so much much more easily spread I'm not sure what the future really holds for us. Uh, lastly, any other takeaways of anything with Michelle remembers and the law enforcement angle to that or anything else I, I might not have asked uh, in that kind of regard? Sean, did you want to say anything about Charles? Yeah, I mean, uh, in our film, so I mean, I mentioned the FBI special agent that we spoke to. There's also a police officer, a Vancouver police constable who investigated the book here in Canada. He it was the first Wiccan police officer who came out as Wiccan in uh, the police force anywhere. He was the very first witch cop is sort of what we affectionately call him. And he, this for him, like this was a career defining uh, moment. He, him investigating Michelle remembers him touring throughout law enforcement uh, agencies in Canada and the U S to actually stand up and say, look at me, right? This is my religion. Uh, I'm not a Satanist, like stop conflating this all together. And this is like, you know, like we're all the same people. And I don't know, he was such an inspiration. Uh, not only is he salty and really funny as people will see in the film, um, it's this whole, like, you know, like all these people came together to combat it. People like police officers, investigative journalists, the Church of Satan. We have a high priestess of the Church of Satan in the film also who was busy combating all this uh, disinformation and rumors uh, during the satanic panic. And I think, you know, if if people watch our film, I hope that they take that away because it's sort of like what we're trying to show is that like everyone has a responsibility to speak out about this, right? And you're going to meet people in our film, Satan Wants You, who spent decades combating this stuff and succeeded, at least in the context of the satanic panic. Sure, Pizzagate came back, but they actually did it, right? They got people out of prison it takes all of us to do this when people are spreading misinformation and lies. And that wraps up our episode of CH101, formerly known as Comedy History 101, but rebranded for this episode. And if you want to find out where Satan wants you, 
is screening. You can check out their website, satanwantsyoufilm.com, and see their complete screening schedule for their film. Also, once again, I have a heap of shows coming up here in October, so you can check out my tour schedule at harmonleon.com or find me on Instagram and Twitter at harmonleon. Also, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment on Comedy History 101, and we will read your comments right here on the podcast, such as this, a comment from a Daniel Curran on the history of the Purple Onion Comedy Club in San Francisco. Daniel writes, Thanks for the post. Never knew about this club and looking forward to learning more. I am watching the movie Dig and the band mentioned playing there. Thank you, Daniel, for your comments. Dig, by the way, a great documentary on the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown Massacre. And I would actually think that is one of my favorite rock documentaries of what it's really like to be playing in a band and watching your friends skyrocket to the top while you're playing for like three people in Iowa. Thank you again, Daniel. And as always, until next time, bye-bye.